Hello, my name is Brittany Wood Nickerson, and this is the Time Herbal Podcast. Today's topic, Herbal Care for Teeth and Gums, is a lesson from my introductory herbal apprenticeship program, The Art of Home Herbalism, online. It's one of over 20 audio recordings that comprise the online herbal apprenticeship program, in addition to videos, at-home activities, and other assignments. You can learn more about Time Herbal and our in-person as well as online courses at timeherbal.com. I hope you enjoy this lesson. Thanks so much for listening. Today we're going to be talking about herbal care for teeth and gums, how we can use herbs and other kinds of natural holistic methods and therapies to support oral wellness. We're going to be talking about it largely from the perspective of, of preventative wellness, but also um, in certain situations in terms of treatment and offering support for issues that are happening with oral wellness. We're going to start with the what would I would consider to be the beginnings or the building blocks, which is how do we support good bone structure in the body? And the teeth are going to be a reflection of our good bone structure. The teeth are, you can think of the teeth as like bones. So what can we do foundationally with good nutrition to support healthy teeth? That's going to be our first step in our first conversation. A diet for healthy teeth and healthy bones for that matter, is a diet rich in minerals. And this would be minerals through the food that we're eating. Um, we, you can probably think of some mineral rich foods that you already have in your diet. Leafy greens are high in minerals, particularly vegetables like kale and spinach and collard greens. Um, but lettuces and greens like dandelion greens are also high in minerals. Vegetables like broccoli, have a lot of minerals in them. So green things, rich in minerals. Herbs, many of the tonic herbs that we've talked about are mineral rich tonics, and that's part of what makes them so nutritive and excellent for the body. These would be herbs such as nettle leaf, red clover leaf, alfalfa, um, horsetail, and oats, oat straw or oat tops. Those are some examples of very mineral rich herbs. Um, sesame seeds have a lot of minerals in them and particularly the minerals that we're talking about here are calcium and magnesium but even herb uh, minerals like silica which is found in horsetail are really good for um, the health of the teeth and the health of the bones so from the plant and vegetable world those are all really important foods and other foods and herbs of those categories important for good healthy teeth the other category of nutrients beyond, you know, just things that are mineral rich is that foods that are high in fat soluble vitamins are very important for bone development and the health of our teeth. These vitamins are vitamins A, D, E, and K. And presence of these vitamins in the diet has been linked with mineral absorption, the development of healthy um, jaw structure, and the development of healthy teeth and healthy bones. These fat-soluble vitamins are largely found um, in their constructed form from animal and animal byproducts. So vitamin A, for example, is only found in animal and animal byproducts as vitamin A. Um, but it is the precursors, carotenoids, or um, beta-carotene, of which is probably the most famous, are found in vegetables and the body can convert those carotenoids into um, vitamin A if it has enough building blocks. Um, it's an energy intensive process, so it is 
easier to get vitamin A from animal and animal byproducts, but you can still get them from plant-based sources. So thinking about these fat-soluble vitamins, we want to think about a well-rounded diet that has all these good mineral-rich um, vitamins in it, but also, I'm sorry, mineral-rich leafy greens in it, but then also has our fat-soluble vitamins that are going to be coming primarily from animal and animal byproducts. Um, butter, milk, cheese, eggs, meat, um, muscle, muscle meats, um, as well as organ meats from um, animal-based sources. Now, um, we talk about animal-based sources of nutrients. We want to think about animals that are raised in as healthy of an environment as possible. And ideally, in an environment where the animal was given healthy living conditions and given the opportunity to eat its traditional diet. Um, for example, a cow that's raised in a feedlot and fed corn has far, far, far fewer fat-soluble vitamins in it than a cow that's raised on pasture and eats green grass. And sometimes it can be a difference as much as 10 times higher in those nutrients. So we're talking about pastured eggs from um, from free-range chickens that literally spend time outside eating grass, eating grubs. We're talking about milk and dairy products and meat products from cows that are outside on pasture, etc. Right, and so the quality of the food is actually going to, in this case, very much support the nutrient content and affect the nutrient content. So when we think about these um, uh, fat soluble, these food sources that are going to be providing us with our minerals and all fat, our fat soluble vitamins, we absolutely need to think about the quality of where the food is coming from. So that's really important about things that we need to eat. And then there are certain things that we want to kind of cut back on or avoid in our diet. The, the biggest culprit is going to be refined white sugar. And there's a lot of attention given to this in, in, the, in the area of oral wellness because Sugar, when you eat sugar, it hangs out in your mouth and it breeds bacteria and then the bacteria can degrade the teeth or the quality and the integrity of the gums, etc. And that's true. The, the other piece to that is that when you eat sugar and it gets into the body and the body's processing it, it actually can leach nutrients, um, leach minerals from the bones and, and lead to bone loss on an internal level as well. So it is about sugar's contact with the teeth, but it's also about what happens when the, you eat a lot of sugar in the body. Um, it's not good for your bones, it's not good for your teeth. So absolutely avoiding white refined sugar, unrefined sugars, um, unrefined cane sugar, um, maple syrup, uh, honey, these kinds of things can be consumed in moderation um, as part of a healthy, well-rounded diet, but in no means should, should, um, should one be relying on these, these sugary sources for um, nutrition, of course, or for um, energy. Right, so um, little bits are okay, but in general, I'd be avoiding avoiding large amounts of of, eat, of unrefined sugar, and we want to be avoiding refined sugar as much as is possible. We also want to be avoiding refined grains um, and refined carbohydrates. So this would be white refined flour, um, even some of the more refined products that we're seeing now on the market as an alternative to glutinous things like refined white rice flour, um, etc. We want to be consuming those things in moderation. So we really want the diet to be focused around um, good quality um, plant-based foods, um, whole grains, vegetables, fruits, um, animal and animal byproducts from healthy sources, um, legumes, these kinds of things, and unrefined natural sweeteners when sweeteners are called for. 
not only do these foods directly sort of feed and nourish um, what we might call the muscular skeletal system and the bones and the teeth and the tissues of the body, which is important for gum health, which you know we'll continue to talk about the gums, but these kinds of foods and this kinds of a healthy basic diet are also really important for our Im immunity, our digestion, and our circulation. And all three of those systems are vital to healthy teeth and gums. Um, our immune system is important because the immune system is going to be fighting off the growth of excessive bacteria. It can fight things like gingivitis, the development of cavities, these kinds of things. Um, digestion is important because if we don't have excellent digestion, then all the nutrients from the food that we eat won't be absorbed and won't get utilized properly by the body. And circulation is important because we want to have good flow of blood and good flow of lymphatic fluids to the gums to be able to offer immunity, heal, and support healthy growth of tissues. So the diet's not only important because it's feeding and supporting bone health and gum health directly, but also because it's part of systemic whole body wellness, which is going to have the effect of being able to support the, our oral wellness, which is the same thing that I was sort of mentioning before, like the, the, the health of our gums and our mouth is to a large extent a reflection of the health of our system overall. So a healthy diet feeds a healthy system and therefore feeds good oral wellness. Thinking about diet and the lifestyle that surrounds your diet is going to be one of the most important things that we can do for general care and prevention. It, you know, it is a good idea to go to the dentist. Um, the dentist is a, is a good, it's a good practice to go to the dentist. Um, and, you know, regular routine cleanings um, can be a good thing. But you do want to avoid excessive x-rays, which will expose you to radiation. Um, certainly avoiding merc mercury fillings. Um, mercury, which is used less and less now, but um, was common um, in the past, is a heavy metal. And so um, fillings that are um, filled with mercury are going to be exposing the body to heavy metals, particularly when they're put in or if they ever have to be extracted. That's when um, the body's most exposed. But just in general, having them in the mouth has been shown to leach heavy metals, in this case mercury, into the system. You also want to avoid root canals. Root canals are really digging into the bone, into the bone tissue, digging into the jaw, um, and the teeth are actually linked up with different organ systems in the body. So um, digging in there can actually really aggravate the system, and it's very invasive. And I think that. Um, cavities and root canals are thought of as sort of routine and no big deal, but I actually think they're quite invasive. I think they're minor surgeries. And so I think we want to be mindful about avoiding those whenever possible. If they are necessary and appropriate, then there may be a time and a place, but we only want to do a, have a root canal or a filling when absolutely necessary. Good preventative wellness with our diet and the herbs that we're going to talk about um, coming up are going to be a really important part of being able to avoid these kinds of more invasive treatments. In terms of holistic care of the mouth directly, a lot of the things are things that are commonly talked about at the dentist and in more conventional circles. Um, one of them would be flossing. Um, flossing is going to help to remove plaque and other sticky substances from the teeth, disrupt the growth of bacteria, and support good, good um, gum health, as well as help prevent cavities. And another option is using a water pick. And a water pick is um, a small machine that you plug in 
runs off electricity you put some water in it and um the when when you turn on the machine it spits water through a pick and you put that into your mouth and you it can sort of run through and around the teeth between the teeth and around the gums and it similarly to flossing disrupts the growth of bacteria um, and helps prevent cavities and gum disease and reseeding gums and these sorts of things. Um, when we move on to talk about mouth rinses using herbs, the water pit can become a vehicle for delivering um, the mouth rinses into the mouth. So you can put uh, a tincture or a mouth rinse into the water in the water pick and you can be using the water pick not just with plain water but also with some of the herbs that we'll talk about. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, we want to clean our teeth by brushing them, but I really uh, advocate for not brushing too hard. Um, I think people have a tendency to think that harder is better, like, you know, you're scrubbing the floor, and the harder you scrub it, the better it is, right? But it, think about a floor that's sensitive, that scratches, and if you were to get something really abrasive like a Brillo pad, and you were to scrub with all your might your hardwood floors, you might scratch the coating on them, right? Um, and so um, you have to have some finesse there. The teeth are the same way. You know, the teeth themselves are hard, but the enamel coating on the outside is sensitive. So not only do we not want to brush too hard because we could disrupt the enamel, but we could also um, disrupt the gums. By pushing too hard against our gums, we can support receding gums. So many dentists will recommend brushing in a more of a circular motion rather than up and down, which puts less pressure on the gums um, and protects them more. The other thing about the enamel of the teeth is in addition to not scrubbing too hard, we want to not use substances that can wear down or threaten the health of the enamel, which is the hard coating that protects the, the, the porous um, tooth or the porous bone of the tooth. Um, so enamel is broken down by things that are highly acidic. Um, lemon and other citrus are the biggest culprits here. Um, so for those of you that um, are drinking, you know, perhaps like lemon water all day long, if you have enamel issues, then that's something that you want to consider. Um, and if you're having a lot of lemon, maybe brushing your teeth after you have some lemon. Um, some people like to have lemony drinks in the morning, so maybe brushing your teeth after your lemony drink rather than before. Good way to protect the enamel of your teeth. And the other are things that have baking soda. And baking soda sort of hit the natural health world um, and became an alternative to conventional, more chemical-driven toothpastes. Um, and I, I understand the appeal to that, but I do think that it threatens to break down the enamel of the teeth, and I think something more gentle is a better option. So while baking soda is um, a natural and pure way to brush your teeth, I don't think it's particularly good for the enamel. So I try to avoid toothpastes that have enamel in them, and by the end of this, this um, lesson today, you will be able to make your own tooth powders and, and washes, so you may not even be buying toothpaste anymore, which is an exciting prospect. So those are some things for sort of preventing um, and um, things to watch out for and be on the lookout for. The other thing is not to use a toothbrush that has bristles that are too hard, right? Like I use the analogy of the floor with the Brillo pad on the floor, right? Like don't use the Brillo pad toothbrush, use a soft sponge toothbrush. Right? And I think, again, we have this idea in our culture, more is better and harder is better and all this stuff, but really, soft and gentle is perfectly appropriate and will make get your teeth and your gums plenty clean. Remember that a lot of this 
is yes, we need to disrupt bacteria and we need to keep our mouth clean, but in a healthy system, bacteria won't grow as much anyways. When we're eating a good diet, when we have a healthy digestive system, the immune system works well and bacteria doesn't build up in the mouth as much anyways. So to a certain extent, you know, brushing our obsession with oral cleanliness um, is a result of unhealthy diet and poor food choices in our culture. And when we're eating the right kinds of foods and we're taking care of ourselves in a very holistic way and the body as a whole is healthy, there's less of a of sort of a crisis around oral care. We don't need to be as worried about cleaning our mouth. I'm not saying we shouldn't still clean it, but it's almost secondary. Primary is the preventative care around diet and um, you know healthy habits. So let's talk a little bit about the different ways um, that we might be able to apply herbs and use herbs for oral wellness. Um, so I've sort of broken it down by um, categories or, or um, different herbal medicine making preparations and then we'll talk about how we might use these forms of um, herbal preparations in, diff in other preparations um, and then how we might apply them. So you might find it useful at this point to have your handout. Um, herbal care for teeth and gums, um, and we're going to be talking about applications. So the first thing um, that I find very useful um, when caring for my, my oral wellness are powdered herbs. And I, I, you can powder herbs yourself. Um, you can powder them in the blender and then send them through um, some kind of a, of a sifter to sift out the big pieces and then send the big pieces through again. But I find that it's very challenging to get them small enough. So I usually purchase my powdered herbs. Um, I find that they're in smaller pieces. They're not as hard on my gums um, and they're more effective. So I usually purchase the powdered herbs, um, which is disappointing if you have the herbs yourself um, that you've harvested or grown yourself. And like I said, you can try doing them in the blender, but um, it's harder to get them small. Um, you could purchase an herb grinder and do it that way, or you can just purchase herbs that are already powdered. So why use powdered herbs? Powdered herbs are great because um, the herbs are in a small form and they're easy to use and combine and for the constituents to immediately have access to healing the gums or breaking down bacteria or what have you. Um, so I use powdered herbs primarily for two things. The first is in tooth powders, which is one of my favorite alternatives to um, conventional toothpaste. And what I do is I'll choose um, a group of herbs, and we'll talk about the herbs after we talk about these different applications. So I'll choose um, maybe two, three, four herbs, um, and I'll combine them as powders, mix them together. I'll store them in an airtight jar. And then when I go to brush my teeth, I'll wet my toothbrush, and I'll, I'll just sort of dab um, either all or part of the toothbrush into the powder. And then I'll put the moistened toothbrush with the powdered herbs into my mouth and I'll brush my teeth. And um, it's not foamy or frothy the way that we think of conventional toothpaste, but um, it absolutely is enough to coat, to coat your mouth. It's flavorful um, and hopefully it's good tasting depending on what herbs you choose. Um, and afterwards your mouth ends up feeling really clean. So again, we'll talk about the kinds of herbs, but that's one of the things I like to do with powdered herbs. The other thing that I find helpful is to use powdered herbs in a poultice. And a poultice is a preparation where you take herbs, you combine them with enough water to kind of moisten them um, and, or, you know, or macerate them or what have you, 
Um, but in this case, because they're already powdered, you don't need to macerate them. You just take the powdered herbs, you'd moisten them with a little water, and you'd apply them to the gums. And then you'd leave them on for as long as you could stand it, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then you'd rinse it out. And what this is helpful for is anytime that you have issues with the gum, with gums or gum health. So it could be cuts or scrapes in the gum, on the gum tissue. It could be receding gum lines or chronically bleeding gums. It could be canker sores. So um, the poultices are really good for reducing inflammation, healing tissues, or preventing or treating infection of the gums. So those are the main things I like to use powdered herbs with. The other application that I think is really useful and helpful for oral care are alcohol extracts. And um, th that was included with this month's material, how to make herbal tinctures. Um, and alcohol extracts um, are really wonderful for a couple of reasons. Um, they're concentrated forms of the herbs, so they are high in constituents. They're easy to store and versatile, right? So these are some of the just main advantages of alcohol extracts in general. They're particularly helpful when we talk about um, the uh, oral care and take care of our mouths because they lend themselves really well to what I call a tooth rinse or a mouth rinse. You can mix together different alcohol extracts of herbs that are good for oral wellness, which again we'll talk about. And take a small mouthful of water, maybe an ounce or so, put 30 drops of the alcohol extract into your mouth with the water, and swish for 30 to 60 seconds, and then spit it out. And you're essentially making your own mouthwash. And um, depending on the herbs that you choose, this can be really good for reducing inflammation, healing tissues, stimulating circulation, um, reducing the growth of bacteria, etc can also be really good for canker sores and other kinds of mouth lesions that one might have. The other thing you can do with alcohol extracts is that they can be mixed in with powdered herbs into making a toothpaste. So like I said before, I like to use the powdered herbs just as a tooth powder and simply dip the moistened toothbrush into it. But another option would be to take some of the powdered herbs and moisten it with a little bit of oil or um, a little bit of alcohol extract um, and then in that case, the alcohol extract is acting to moisten the powder into a paste, but it's also acting to introduce the constituents of the other herbs that are in the alcohol extract. Another substance that I find helpful sometimes is glycerin. Um, and glycerin can be another wonderful thing to add into a tooth, a tooth, if you want to make more of a toothpaste than a tooth powder, it can be another great thing for moistening. Um, but it's also really good um, for a mouth um, a spray or even for a swish or more of a, um, a rinse as we were talking about earlier it can be combined with the alcohol and what glycerin does is glycerin first of all it tastes sweet so that can be really good for flavor in any of these preparations um, but glycerin is also really good because it helps um, herbs and other things adhere to tissues longer so if I were to put it into a mouth rinse for example or into a gum spray, you know, combine it with alcohol maybe, um, and a little water and put it in a spray bottle, and what's called an automizer, and spray it on the gums throughout the day. That's really good for inflammation or bleeding or cuts. Um, then the glycerin helps the herbs in the formula to stick to the tissues longer, which can be really helpful. One thing to keep in mind about glycerin is that it's a little bit sticky, and I have seen cases where glycerin used in a tooth toothpaste um, or glycerin used in a mouth rinse can cause a little dis discoloration on the teeth. I think that what it does is it makes tannins stick to the teeth 
uh, a little bit more. So it's actually happened to me before. I've gotten a little bit of a mild discoloration on the teeth. Um, and it comes right off, you know, if I go to the dentist, for example. But I've stopped using glycerin for that reason in a lot of my preparations. But then I know other people that can use it and it's fine. Um, but do keep that in mind if that's something that happens to you. Any kind of discoloration on the teeth, uh, it can be from the glycerin because the glycerin can make um, other substances stick to the teeth and, and make a slight discoloration. Again, harmless, but maybe not desirable. So that's one of the things I like for glycerin. Um, and then I like to use oils. Um, coconut and sesame are probably my favorite. Um, coconut is an incredible oil for the for oral wellness. Um, it is antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial, and antiviral. So that takes care of any kind of bug that might be growing in your in your mouth, um, bacteria, etc. Um, it's also anti-inflammatory and cooling. So if there's inflammation or bleeding, it's really good for helping to reduce that. Sesame oil, on the other hand, is a little more warming, good for um, if there's pain in the teeth or cold, um, extreme sensitivity to cold, then sesame oil is a good choice. And sesame oil is um, also a good choice for detoxification. Um, sesame oil is probably the most detoxifying of, of all of the oils. There's two ways that I like to use, or maybe three ways that I like to use oils um, for oral care. The first is if I choose to make more of a tooth paste rather than a powder, I might mix oil in with that. Um, the other would be if I wanted to do some kind of a, um, a soothing gum spray in an automizer or a spray bottle, I might add some oil in with that. Not a lot because it's too too much would be too thick to go through, but you know you could combine it with glycerin or with an alcohol extract or some water and just shake it really well so that the molecules can break down and combine better. And then spray it on the gum tissue again as sort of a daily practice. Um, but probably my favorite thing to do with oil is to do um, practice an Ayurvedic um, practice called oil pulling. And oil pulling um, is a practice that where you take um, a nice big mouthful of oil. If it's sesame oil, that's easy because sesame oil is liquid at room temperature, so just take a big gulpful um, and don't swallow it. You take a big gulp and swish it. Um, and the other is coconut oil, and coconut oil is um, solid at room temperature, as many of you may know, but it's easily broken down under the presence of heat, and so you take a mouthful of the solid oil, and the heat from your mouth and your gums will instantly break it down, and it'll be liquid in no time. So once you have chosen your oil, sesame or coconut, um, you would take an, a, nice, a nice spoonful or mouthful and swish with it for anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes. You could even do as long as half an hour. 10 would be the bare minimum. Um, I, I think of 15 is tw or to 20 minutes as the most therapeutic for oil pulling. And what this does is it massages the gums and helps heal the tissues, but it also um, stimulates the secretion of saliva. And in that, there is great cleansing that happens. So when you secrete saliva, the body is cleansing and detoxifying. Um, but it's also helping to stimulate the tissues, to promote circulation of blood, to promote circulation of lymph. It stimulates the immune system, it heals the tissues, and it not only detoxifies in the mouth region, but it has a detoxifying effect on the whole system. Um, I've found it helpful with skin issues, with glandular problems, swollen glands under the neck, issues of immunity, and, of course, issues related to oral wellness.
So, you know, when I was talking earlier about sesame oil and I was talking about it being detoxifying, you might be thinking, well, why do I need a detoxifying oil for my mouth? You would want that if you were working to use it as part of a detox program or, um, you know, for more of a cleansing ritual or practice um, with your oil pulling versus the coconut oil, which would be a really good choice if you had bleeding gums or inflammation or um, bacterial overgrowth, things like gingivitis. Um, then I would choose the coconut oil. Coconut oil I do think is maybe a little yummier for a lot of people, so a lot of people choose coconut oil for that reason. And really both are excellent choices, so there's not one that would be better um, versus another. So I highly recommend oil pulling. Um, I know it sounds daunting to think about swishing with oil for 15 minutes to 30 minutes, um, but if you can find a time in your day when it fits in, then it, it doesn't end up feeling that burdensome. Um, and I think the best time to do it for health reasons is first thing in the morning, right when you wake up before you've had anything else to eat or drink. Um, that's when it's going to be the most detoxifying and cleansing. It's also at that point excellent for digestion. It helps stimulate the digestive system by stimulating the secretion of saliva. So I do it right when I wake up in the morning and if I'm gonna you know gonna take a shower, um, then I'll, I'll swish while I'm in the shower. If you are just going to go about your morning routine, you could go downstairs and start doing things. You could um, uh, make the bed, get dressed, you know, whatever it is. But I sort of do what my family calls puttering. So I sort of putter around while I do my oil pulling. And something that's important to keep in mind is that um, coconut oil, but even the sesame oil, um, it's not good to be having a lot of that going down your drain and especially the coconut oil because it's solid at room temperature so it'll freeze up in the pipes sort of like the reason why you don't put baking grease down your um, drain so you want to either spit the coconut oil or the sesame oil after you've swished it you want to sw um, spit it outside or put it in the compost or even the trash if that's your best option um, you don't want to spit it down the drain so I highly recommend oil pulling I think that it is an incredible practice really good for the gums and also good for the teeth. Oil pulling has been shown to literally remove pieces of plaque that are on the teeth. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I definitely had those moments of feeling like I brush my teeth, but they're still not all the way clean. Oil pulling helps take care of all of that stuff. And you might notice that the first time you do it, but if you do it consistently five to seven days a week, um, after a week or two, you'll really start to notice the differences, and you'll notice the differences in how your teeth feel, you might notice in how the teeth look, and certainly in the health of your gums. So I highly recommend oil pulling. Um, I think it's a really effective um, and important form of practice when we think about um, our oral care and the health of our both teeth and gums. Great, so now that we've covered some of these um, application applications and um, herbal preparations, let's talk a little bit about the herbs themselves and in what ways we might be able to use herbs for taking care of this part of our body. Um, so we'll talk about this from the perspective of herbal actions and then some of the herbs that within those categories. So the first category of herbal actions that I find very helpful for oral care are herbs that are rubefacient. And herbs that are rubefacient um, have a stimulating effect on the surface of the skin or whatever tissue they come into contact with, and they actually stimulate blood flow to that area. 
And in this situation, they can also stimulate the circulation of lymphatic fluid. Lymphatic fluid carries the immunity and the immune response, so that's going to be important for bringing in good immunity into our mouth area. Um, but it also it brings in blood, which will help with skin healing, tissue healing, um, and eliminating sores or what have you. So the health of the gums and the tissues are going to be very, very um, well affected by the presence of rubefacian herbs in a formula, whether that formula be a powdered tooth um, powder, a um, tooth paste, um, or a mouth rinse in the form of a tincture or maybe even a spray like with, a, with an alcohol extract or um, oil or glycerin. Okay, so some of my favorite rubefacian herbs are cinnamon and ginger, um, things that are minty like rosemary and peppermint, um, things that have a stimulating effect um, and a tingling sensation in the mouth. Um, Spilanthes is a good example. Echinacea is a good example. Those are also immune stimulants, so they're helpful in that way. Um, and then a wonderful herb for, herb for oral wellness is myrrh. And myrrh falls into many of the categories that we're going to talk about, but it is also a rubefacient. So again, these are herbs that um, stimulate the um, flow of and movement of blood and lymph to the tissues of the mouth um, where the rubefacient herbs come into contact with. So they have a stimulating nature. Um, that being said, they just because they're stimulating doesn't mean that they're not good for inflammation. Like we think of inflammation as overstimulation, but rubefacient herbs can actually help to reduce inflammation by stimulating the presence of the of blood and lymph, which will help with reducing the inflammation. So, rubefacient herbs are very important. The other category of herbs that are important are astringent herbs, and astringent herbs have the effect of tightening and toning tissue. Um, they can often have a nourishing effect, and they, um, in this situation, have a direct tonifying effect on the tissues they come into contact with, which would be the gum tissue. They're excellent for reducing bleeding because they tonify, so they actually tighten the tissue and re re reduce the, um, the secretion of blood. Um, and they're also really good for any kind of redness or inflammation, um, pain in the gums, all those things. Um, so cinnamon's a good example of another astringent. So again, you'll notice immediately that some of these herbs fall into more than one category. Um, myrrh, calendula, rose, clove, rosemary, witch hazel and willow bark are both very strong astringents. Um, golden seal and barberry root are also great astringents and have a tonifying effect on mucous membranes. So astringent herbs are another category that are important to consider here. Um, antimicrobial herbs are also very important. These are herbs that are effective against killing some variety of mi microbes, um, bacteria, um, so in some cases viruses. We already spoke about coconut oil, which is an excellent antimicrobial, but many herbs are also great antimicrobials. Sage, rosemary, peppermint, golden seal, barberry root, um, cinnamon, clove, myrrh, if I didn't already mention that. Um, so there's a lot of antibacterial herbs that are going to be have an important part, right? Again, we talk about this idea of mouth cleanliness. A lot of what we're talking about is trying to eliminate the growth of unwanted bacteria, and antimicrobial herbs are going to be our ally in that aspect of oral care. 
The other category of herbs are vulnerary herbs. And vulnerary herbs are herbs that support the health of the skin. They are sometimes anti-inflammatory, but their primary claim to fame is that they help with skin cell growth and regeneration. So um, vulnerary herbs are often thought to increase the rate at which skin cells regenerate themselves at. <clears throat> so they help with promoting tissue growth and repair. Excuse me. <clears throat> They help with um, tissue growth and repair and healing. And again, many of the vulnerable herbs also fall into the category of being astringent or anti-inflammatory. So some of my favorites here are golden seal root and barberry root, uh, myrrh, calendula, plantain, comfrey, spilanthes, and echinacea. Last but certainly not least are anti-inflammatory herbs. And anti-inflammatory herbs help to reduce inflammation, reduce redness, um, promote healing, and they can also be helpful for easing bleeding. So um, examples of this would be um, rose, calendula, chamomile, echinacea, spilanthes, rosemary, um, myrrh. So what we want to be thinking about here with the anti-inflammatory herbs is if there's inflammation, might we want to be using them, but also might we want to be combining them with some other herbs that fall into these other categories um, to really help reduce inflammation and promote skin healing. So the herbs that you choose are going to depend on a couple of things. They're going to depend on what the condition is of and what the state of oral wellness is. Um, are you just looking for something general that's going to be healing and supportive, or are you actually dealing with an issue like gingivitis, excessive growth of bacteria, or receding gum lines, or painful gums, bleeding gums? So the categories of herbal actions that you choose are going to depend on what the condition is and what the state of health is orally. Then the other thing would be what herbs you choose might depend on what categories of herbal actions that you chose. So if you want some astringent herbs, some antimicrobial herbs, and some anti-inflammatory herbs, you might try to find two or three herbs that fall under most of those categories and then focus on those herbs because they have the greatest range of uses for the particular issues that you're looking for. So you can have a good time kind of playing around with mixing things around based off of what you feel your needs are. And again, your need might be something general and broad, or it might be something more specific um, that's designed to be treating something, um, some issue that you're having, for example. I've included on your handout some um, example recipes of tooth powders and mouth rinses to help get you started. And I encourage you to at least try making one or more of the things that are included. It might be a great way to get started on making an herbal extract. Um, and again, tooth powders are not only fun to make, but they're really good for you and they can be a wonderful way to reduce cost of personal care products. Um, we're gonna be talking a lot about making our own personal care products, but making your own um, oral oral care products, what mouth rinses and tooth tooth powders, etc. Not only is it healthy and better for you, but it's also less expensive. And um, you'll notice once you start making your own products that if you were to go and look at the list of ingredients on these conventional products, even the healthy natural toothpaste, there's probably going to be quite a few things on there that you do not recognize. And one goal that I have is to try to recognize um, most of the things on the ingredient list 
for things that go into my body. And that would be food, of course, but also things that I'm just using for self-care, like a face wash or a shampoo or a mouth rinse. And the best way to know what goes into your personal care products is to make them themselves yourself. So um, I think this is a great way to start getting to getting get started with some of the medicine making that you've been learning, and also with thinking about how to apply herbs to meet some basic needs around oral health um, and start making some fun potions. So have a great time getting started with this. Um, have fun, and I hope that you feel empowered to um, start taking some steps to take care of your um, teeth and gums. Thanks for listening. That was one of over 20 audio recordings from The Art of Home Herbalism Online, Brittany Wood Nickerson's introductory herbal apprenticeship offered through Time Herbal. You can learn more about the apprenticeship program, The Art of Home Herbalism Online, and other offerings from Time Herbal on our website, www.timeherbal.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope to hear from you. Take care.